I want to share about the apostle and his assignment because uh, a lot of these things, we hear the words and we don't have a clue what they mean. Everyone says, yeah, 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 yeah. But it's quite helpful to, to get understanding about things. I found very frequently we use terminology and don't really have any understanding of what it means. And so I want to just help you understand this word apostle, uh, what an apostle is, and what they're called to do and why they're important and, uh, they're, and the different ones in the church. So there's, there's much we could share on it, but I want to just focus just so today you'll understand, I get it, I get it. That's what it is. Not so complicated after all. So Ephesians chapter 4, we'll start there. Ephesians chapter 4, he's talking about the ministry of Jesus after he had ascended into heaven. And then it said, uh, he himself, verse 11, gave some to be apostles, some of prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers. And here's why. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for edifying the body of Christ, until, until we all come to the uh, unity of faith uh, and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect or mature man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we would no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men in cunning, craftiness, and deceitful plotting. But grow up. So God wants us to grow up. How many know God wants you to grow up? Uh, growing up's not so easy, is it? And uh, we need others to help us grow up. And uh, so we want to uh, particularly talk uh, just about the apostle and the work of the apostle. Every one of the ministries that are identified there are given for a purpose. Whenever God does something, he always has a purpose. God is never random. God is always intentional and purposeful. So whatever he's doing in your life, it's not random. It's purposeful, intentional, leading you somewhere. So when, when God is setting things up or is, is, is doing things, he always has purpose behind it. So we want to ask the question there, and the first question we want to ask is, well, what is an apostle? So let me just open up, first of all, what the, the word means. Remember, when we use words, words have a, a meaning associated with them. Now, if you know what the meaning is, then immediately, oh, yeah, that's that. But frequently the problem is words have different meanings to different people. And so for people who have been Christians or raised as Christians, the word has uh, some religious baggage uh, or it may have things, oh, that's something that happened back in Jesus' day. Uh, for people who have never been in church at any time in their life, they say, what is that? Well, I never heard of that. That's really new. <clears throat> but it's often difficult for words to be shifted from one culture to another without losing their meaning. So for example, if we take the, the, the Maori culture, we use the word mana. Now mana is a, a word full of significance for the Maori culture. In other words, if you're a Maori and I use the word mana, he lost his mana. <gasps> oh, this is a big deal. And uh, for, if I use the word, uh, use the same word in the, and bring it over the English language, we would struggle to find words, adequate, one word that would say the same as what that meant in your culture. See? Yeah. In other words, there is a problem bringing words over from one culture to another. And uh, so, for example, in the Bible, there's a difficulty bringing uh, a whole range of words over. Remember, I shared with you recently the word grace. And uh, for us, the word grace, oh, yeah, hear it in church, amazing grace. We sang the song, or grace was something someone preached about. But what we don't understand in the, in the Bible in Jesus' day, grace had a great significance in the business arena. <clears throat> it had to do with the interaction between wealthy people and poor people. The wealthy person showed his honor as a wealthy man by helping or giving favors to the poor man, and that was called grace. And he was being gracious, and his gift was grace. 
the poor man responded by being grateful and honoring the other person, and that was also called grace. So in the culture, it meant something, and we get it today, say, what, grace, what's that? But it meant a favor from a uh, person of influence that enabled you to get ahead in life. So when God's talking about grace, don't get a religious word, amazing grace, and get all sentimental. This is about empowering you to move forward with your life. It's about empowerment in every arena of your life. So when it says that God gives grace to us, that means there's no area of our life we can't go ahead in because he wants to help us. See? Get any idea? All right, then. Here's another word from the, uh, from the Bible. It's a hard one to translate, and it's the word uh, baptizo, B-A-P-T-I-Z-O. It's a Greek word, and what does it mean? Well, there's a number of meanings. It means if you're, if you're going to dye some garment, then you baptize it, you baptizo it. Uh, if, you, if your ship is in the, in the sea and it sinks, it was baptizoed. It went right down under. It fell under. Get the idea? So when they try and translate the word, the, obviously the people had trouble knowing what to say in the English language. So you know what they did? They just anglicized the word. They took the word baptizo, Greek word, meaning to dip, to plunge, to sink, to emerge, and they just called it baptize. So now you get the English word baptize, and it has various meanings for different church backgrounds because we're separated from the culture where the word was originally used. If you were in, the, in, in Jesus' day, you'd understand completely. Oh, baptizo, yes, what to do with the clothes? You stick them right under the water, make sure the water gets all on them, you know? Now, so the same thing happens now with the word apostle. There is no equivalent in the English language to the original word, which was apostolos, the Greek word apostolos. There was, there's no word in the English language which describes what it meant. So what they did was they same as at baptizo, they just anglicized it, baptizo, baptize, apostolos, become apostle. So they, they, did, they couldn't explain the word. There's no words or one term that would do. You could put some words in, I'll try and put some in in a moment, but what they did was they just took it over and just put that name on it, called him an apostle, so Jesus had 12 apostles, and so on, he got the word apostle, and then after he'd been in church for a while, he got this idea, ooh, apostle. But we, we need to get an understanding of what it meant to the people in Jesus' day. Now, the word uh, apostolos in the Greek and in the Roman culture had an immensely significant meaning, like the word grace. It actually meant something in the culture. So if you ask, what is an apostle in the culture of Greek or Rome, this is what they say. Oh, an apostle. Oh, that's a man of high honor. Well, what does he do? Oh, you know, if you were a Greek, you'd say, this is what he does. Uh, he, he is the admiral of a fleet because we send a fleet out when we want to go to new territory, establish a new community there, and establish a new culture there. We set out an admiral over a fleet, and we make all the preparations necessary that he can go into a new ter territory and set up a whole new community under the Greek culture. That's what it meant. So if you were a Roman, for the Roman, oh, apostolos, whoa, okay, very big honor. That means the emperor has sent you as his delegate. And what was it for? Well, the Romans would send them into a territory to conquer an enemy and then establish the kingdom of Rome and set up the culture of Rome and the laws of Rome and the governance of Rome in a new territory. That's what it meant. Apostolos, apostle. So an apostle to the Roman was, 
oh, that's a Roman general. That's someone sent to a region to conquer enemies, to break open the territory, bring it under the kingdom of Rome so we can establish our culture and our laws and our ways, and it becomes a province of Rome. It is Rome extended to another place. Now, that's what it meant to people who heard the word. We hear it today, it doesn't have any kind of meaning. We don't know what it means. What is that? Huh? What? Is it even real? See? So you have to understand what it really means as far as bringing it through into the Bible and what Jesus would have intended by this. Very simple then, an apostle. The word apostle means apostolos, means to send away. So it literally means someone who was sent on an assignment. So in the Bible, the word apostle is a person man or woman, who has been given an assignment from God to go to a territory that God called them to, not just go where they want, to go to a territory God has assigned them to. And the mission there is to overcome demonic powers and resistance in that area, to establish a community, train and raise up people so that the culture of the kingdom of heaven is established in that place. And there is a testimony that heaven has come to earth in that place. Now you're getting the idea. That's what an apostle is. So there's many aspects of the apostle's role. There are many different kind of apostles. Some are sent to just one place. Some are sent to a, a, a region. Some are sent to a nation. Some are sent internationally. So there's no, it just depends on the assignment God gave. You don't just make it up and say, well, I think I'll do this. It's nothing to do with your own plan or anything like that. It's something God calls you and the assignment he gives you. Get an idea? How many can understand it better now? Makes a lot more sense, doesn't it, eh? It makes a lot more sense. So now we're catching it. Let's have a look at Jesus then in Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3. And Jesus in Mark chapter 3, we pick it up at verse 13 and uh, through to 15. And uh, we get a little bit more insight about it when it says, now he went. Now remember uh, when he's uh, talking about an apostle. Every time we hear the word apostle, we're thinking someone who has been commissioned by the king to break into new territory, overcome demonic resistance, and to expand the culture of the kingdom, setting up and establishing a community of believers. Once you think that, now you'll see what Jesus is doing here. It said now, it says, he went up to the mountain, he came, and they called to them those that he, had, he wanted or he chose. Then, then they came to him, and he appointed 12 that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach, to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out demons. And then it gives a list of the names of them there. So notice there that Jesus, in this verse here, it says he ordained or commissioned the twelve or appointed the twelve. Notice four things that are in that passage there. Number one, he called them. So a person in, in apostolic ministry, they have to be called by God himself. In other words, you can't just come up with an idea, I'd like to have that name, I'd like to have that position, I'd like to have that title. No, no one would want it if they knew what it's going to involve. No, you wouldn't want it. I can tell you now that the warfare and the conflict and the pain and the suffering you go through, you just don't want it. And, uh, but anyway, it's, it's a calling. So God calls people. And I heard Pastor Dave, as I, was, as I was just listening, I could hear him saying just this very thing, God calls people, God calls you. You're not here just because you had a brilliant idea. You're here because God called you. You've got to understand that we come because God calls us. 
We don't come to the Father because we had a great idea. We come because God calls us to come and sets up the circumstances around us of people praying for us and drawing us and loving on us. And then we come, we think, oh, I chose Jesus. And he said, no. He said, no, you did not choose me. I chose you. So if you here are a believer, already given your life to Christ, you have said yes to God's call. It's an invitation from a king to come into a family and represent him in the earth. It's a huge honor to be called by God. We should never minimize being called by God. God calls you. He reaches out and invites you to come. He invites you into a relationship. That's what the call of God is. It's not to be busy doing lots of this and lots of that. The first part of the calling is to come into relationship and learn and grow to get to know him. Then out of that calling, it will have an expression of some kind. And we'll see how you start off quite simply, and as you grow in the Lord, then the, the dimensions of calling unravel. Now, for some people, God tells them right at the beginning what he's called them to do. For most of us, he doesn't give you too much. He just gives you enough to hook you in, and then you're hooked in and think, oh, no, if I'd known it was going to be all of that. Ah, I'd never have done that. You know, we, we're just drawn in because God, we, we feel the love and the draw of God. We respond to it, having no idea fully what it will mean as it outworks in our life. So when I came and responded to the call of God, he personally called me. He personally called me into pastoring. He spoke to me while I'm doing the lawns and called me into it. And, and when it came to coming here, I didn't want to come here, but he called me to come. He spoke. He spoke through men, and he spoke to me personally. So I'm here because of the call of God. The call of God is such an important thing in your life. It's not to be turned down. When God extends an invitation, this is a king. He's summoning you to come. You, you want to respect the king and respond. It says many are called. So there's many are called, but not so many are chosen by God because not so many respond to the calling or go through the development process of the calling. So God has called you. He calls you not only to himself, he calls you into a church. He actually sets members in the body as it pleases him, the Bible says, meaning he has a place for you to belong. So if he has a place for you to belong, it's because he knows in that environment you will come forth your very best. So you should never leave because of offense or because you're upset or because you felt challenged in your personal life. No, 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 no. You never leave for that because God positioned you so you can grow. So like a kid, don't run away from home. Stay and work the stuff out. Let your problems be sorted out. Don't run away. So the first thing you notice, Jesus called them. Second thing is that he appointed them or he, uh, you notice here it says he, he appointed them. He called them, which is a, uh, uh, the um, way he, he calls us, he speaks to us. Next thing we know, he says, what he called us, he called them to be with them. His desire was, number one, we be with them. So the first priority when God calls you is to be with them, to build a relationship. Out, it's only out of what God has done in your life you can help others. It's out of the revelation you have received you can impart to others. Christianity's never been about having lots of knowledge and information. It's all about a revelation of God to your life that changes you, and out of that you can help someone else because you know something now. You've experienced something now, the goodness of God, the grace of God. Now you've got something you say, this is what I was like. Now this is what I'm like. So look, you see, with Owen sitting here today, Owen 
it was in a life of crime and brokenness and jail and all kinds of things. And now he's been sent by God all over the world. Now, if you know anything about passports and the difficulty of international travel, you would realize it is impossible for someone with his criminal record who's been in jail and exported from Australia to be able to go to other nations. It's the first thing they check is your criminal history. And yet, he's gone to nations all over the world to bring the gospel and preach. You see, this is a call of God. You can't just decide, I'd like to do it. You probably won't even get out of the airport. <laughs> see, because if God calls you, the first thing is to be with him so you can build relationship. Then he wants to empower you. Now, then notice the next thing he said, that he might send them. So, number one, he calls to us. Number two, he calls us to be with us, to engage with us and build relationship. Number three, you notice there, that he might send them. The word, there's the word sent, apostello, that he might commission and send them on an assignment. So when Jesus gathered the disciples together, he didn't have in mind, we just come to church once a week. That's not what he's thinking at all. He's thinking about training ambassadors to establish his kingdom wherever they go in the culture. He's calling, he's thinking about, now these are not old people by the way, these are young people. They're all probably about late teens, maybe early 20s at the most, but then none of them would have been over 30. All, most likely under 25. And when Jesus wanted to change the world, he chose a group of men under 25. And what did he do? He called them, and then he lived with them. Three years is all it took. He lived with them, dwelt with them, built relationship with them, and then that he might send them. So God sends us. So don't run away and try to do this and that before God has commissioned you and sent you to do it. Because between calling and commissioning, there are, there's a bit of a time difference where God's preparing you. So everyone gets this grand idea, I want to do some great thing for God. And listen, just build relationship with him and let him grow you. And then when you're ready, he'll send you. He'll tell you where to go, what to do. He'll put you, he'll send you. And you realize after a while that it's not just apostles that are sent. Actually, God desires the church to be apostolic with every person sent into the community somewhere to overpower demons, to bring the culture of the kingdom, to bring people to Christ, to create a different community. And doesn't it need to be changed? But, but if all you're thinking about is that Christianity is about coming to a church meeting, you've missed it altogether. You've become religious with a religious mindset. This is not Jesus' intention. Jesus intended to call them to be with him. Number one priority, relationship with him, intimacy with him, learning his word, getting to know him. Then when you are trained and ready, God sends you. He commissions you. He puts you in a place. He knows when you're ready. You don't have to try and worry about getting, you just do the growing part. And then it says, what did he want them to do? That, and then it said that he, and he gave them power. He gave them authority, the Bible says. So if you're commissioned by the Lord, he, he backs you up. He wants you to have authority, spiritual authority. That's not bossing over people. Spiritual authority is not for bossing people around, telling them what to do, controlling them. Spiritual authority is to build people up. It's to confront demons and get the demons off them. It's to pray for the sick. It's to bring the life of God. He wants us to be a supernatural people. That was Jesus' design. That's how it started. Do you think he changed the plan somewhere along the way that the church would be different to that? It's never been different to that. It's always the same. God invites us into relationship, wants us to be with him so he can send us somewhere. Every person can be sent by God somewhere. Your neighborhood, God wants you to be a sent person there. Now, you understand, he sent them 
what it means to be sent is this. It means it's not your bright idea. If it's your bright idea, then the word to use is went. I went. See, if I say I went, that means I had a bright idea one day and I just went and did it, or didn't do it, or failed in it, or whatever. But if you're sent, it means someone else had the, had the plan. Someone else had the idea. Someone else, it was their plan, not yours. You just said yes. And when you said yes, then you were sent. So if you are sent, that means someone sent you that you're responsible to. Number two, they sent you to some place, some people. And number three, they've given you an assignment, something for you to do. So if you have been sent by God, you have an assignment. Now, imagine living your life instead of, well, I just happened to be in Flaxmere. That's just where I happened to be. I couldn't get a place anywhere else. What kind of mentality is that? God sent me here on an assignment to touch my neighborhood or the people that I get connections with. I have an assignment. So, so the nature of the apostle is that they are sent by God with an assignment that will have demonic resistance. It's not sweet by and by stuff. This is hard yakka. Because when you are on an apostolic assignment, then you're going to encounter demons. You say, oh, well, I don't want anything to do with them. Oh, well, so you kind of got this plan. Here's my plan then. I won't bother you if you won't bother me. How's that working out? It doesn't work out at all. We're sent, we're, in court, we're called to be part of an army and we're sent to conquer territory. That means we pray because in the invisible spiritual world, there are spirit beings affecting the way people think and relate and behave. That's why they do the dumb stuff they do. But someone must rise up and pray. So when we came here, our first part of our assignment was to pray. I would get up and pray, pray every day for a couple of hours. Every day I just prayed for about six months, praying every day. Sometimes prayer walked right around town. And did anything happen? Oh, yes. Lots of things happened. We got troubled by disturbing things coming into our house. We had all kinds of difficulties for a season, but we persevered, which is what apostles do. You've got to persevere through the tough until you get the breakthrough. Then we got the breakthrough, then lots of other people get blessed. So you notice there the, the things. He said, number one, he called them. Number two, to be with them. It's time being in his presence, growing and learning to know him and so on, that he might send them and give them authority. Now, I wonder how many of you realize that Jesus himself was an apostle? Oh, I hadn't thought of that one. Here, let's have a look in Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 1. Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 1. So apostles raise up other apostles. They really want them. Actually, apostles raise up everyone. They raise up all the gifts. Now, just in Hebrews chapter 3, Therefore, our holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider, so it's talking to Christians, believers, consider the apostle and high priest of our faith, or our profession of faith, Jesus Christ. So what is Jesus called? He's called an apostle. Why is he called an apostle? Well, because simply he was sent by God. In Galatians, it tells us in Galatians chapter uh, 4 and verse 4, it says, when the fullness of time came, God sent his son. That's the word apostello again. So God, when time was right, when everything was right, God sent his son. But his plan was before even Adam and Eve were created, he had the plan, he would send his son. He knew what, he could see what was going to happen, and he already planned. But the timing came right there, and, 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 and the father sent apostolically commissioned Jesus to come. He didn't just arrive. 
didn't just turn up, whoa, here I am. What, what kind of surroundings is this? He was assigned to a nation, to the nation of Israel. He was a Jew. He's not a white person. Well, that's gone down well. Well, most of the pictures, remember what I was saying, you get the things here. Well, the pictures you see of Jesus, got blue eyes and blonde hair and long flowing beard and everything, and that's a Western Jesus. Where'd you get that idea? That's a silly thing. Everyone knows he was born in the nation of Israel. He was a Jew. We're not following a Western Jesus. We're following a Jewish Jesus. That's even more offensive to some. See, but that's who it is. That's, yeah, that's, 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 that's where he came. He came into a certain nation at a certain time, a nation chosen by God before the foundation of the world. And so Jesus carried with him all the fivefold offices. Now, that's the thing. Although the one he's called as an apostle, he actually carried all five offices in one person. So in Deuteronomy, he's called, uh, I'll give you the exact quote, because it's quite handy if you have these scriptures, just useful for they come up. But let me just show you how quickly, how he, he had all five ministries. In, uh, in um, Deuteronomy 18, 15, he said, the Lord will raise up a prophet like unto me. Moses is talking about Jesus and calling him a prophet. Uh, what about in, uh, in some of the other scriptures there where it says in, say, John 1.38, who do you seek? Rabbi. That means teacher. It literally says that in John 1.38. In Luke the 19, verse 30, the Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. He's an evangelist. John 10, verse 10, I'm the good shepherd. He's a pastor. So in Jesus' ministry, all the fivefold ministries are wrapped up in him. He did everything. He, he, did it. he functioned in every ministry. He functioned as an evangelist, stopped and talked to people and won them to, and, into salvation. See, he, he acted as a prophet. He foretold things. He spoke into people's life and destiny moved in the supernatural. He was, uh, he was a pastor. He gathered people up and cared for them. So he did all of those things, but he was an apostle. Why was he an apostle primarily? Primarily because the work of the apostle is to go into a foreign territory, overcome the demonic powers, and to establish a community that can thrive and multiply and go on. Therefore, his primary ministry was an apostle. So what kind of people did he need to raise up? Now, if you and I had the plan, we'd think, well, well we'd pick a fire. Well, let's give them all assessment, find out, oh, he's an evangelist, here's someone else. This We'd bring them all together and get a, a merry team. We'll get two of each just for good luck. Now, you see, he didn't do that. Because why? Because he knew, he knew that for the church to advance into the nations of the earth, it needed the apostolic thrust to go forward. It needed apostolic anointing and power. Why? Because it'll go to new territories. It'll pioneer where nothing's happened. It will break through the demonic power. If they come across witch doctors and witchcraft, they'll cast the demons out. They'll minister to people who are sick. They'll preach the gospel, set up a community, put a church into order, raise up leaders, then move on and do it again. That's why he needed to raise up apostles. He raised up apostles because he had in mind what they do. There it is. He sent them out, gave them authority, sent them out to preach the gospel and to pray for the sick and, uh, and cast out demons. Very, very clear there, isn't it? So Jesus appointed apostles. Luke 6.13, when the day was come, he called his disciples to himself, chose the 12, and he named them apostles. So in case anyone had no doubt... Say, well, listen, I'm just in the team here just to be the help out. I just do the meals. When there's a big meal on, I go out and help give the food out, the bread and the whatever. No, no, no. He called all of them apostles. He himself named them. You don't name yourself. That's right. Name yourself, that's called self-promotion. 
Now you find yourself in something you shouldn't be doing. <laughs> it's not going to have God's endorsement. Whatever you're doing, want to have God's endorsement. Want to be doing what he called us to do. Then you, they're very secure then. I'm not doing that and I'm not doing this. I'm doing this because God sent me to do this. See? So, so we see there, uh, notice here in verse uh, uh, um, John 20, verse 21, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. It's the same thing again. Just as Jesus was commissioned, so he commissions the disciples. So the apostolic ministry is a pioneering ministry that will break new ground and new territory. It will activate and release all other ministries. That's why he didn't need the other ministries, because if he raised apostles, they would activate all other ministries. That's one of their key roles. The only ministry that can do that is the apostle, see? So in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 28, it says the apostolic ministry is the first. God has set some in the church. And notice it said, I want you to read this. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28. God set some in the church. Here it is, 12 and verse 28. He said, God set, appointed these in the church first, apostles. Second. And notice it doesn't usually, he pointed some of these and some of these and some of these, a bit of a mix. There it is, work it out. He said, no, no, God has appointed or set in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, and then so on. Pastors don't get a mention a fair way down the line to tell the truth, but there it is. But you notice here first, the word first means the first in order or rank or priority or importance. It is first, not because the person's more important. It is first because the ministry function is more important. It has to be number one ministry. Why? Because it's concerned with advancing to new territories. If you put the pastor first, they'll be focused on how to care for the flock, build a community, not upset people, just let's build a nice family together. Man, we're having a great time. We're just loving on one another. It's just really wonderful. Pastors are really happy about that. But you see, the apostolic pushes the church to grow so people grow up and go out. It, it's to get people moving to break out of safety and into flowing into the things that God wants them to advance. See, so if you had a, an evangelist uh, and, and he raised up an evangelist, well, the evangelist says, listen, mate, don't worry about the church. Let's get out there, win some souls. It's all about souls. Get the souls. So they go out preaching and whatever. But you see, what about building people up? What about the family? What about establishing people? So, so, so if you're a teacher, then of course the teaching thing is like this. Because I've been, I'm a teacher and I come from teaching, so I know it's a terrible thing. But there it is, the way you're wired. You just think, one, two, three, four. We need to get people learning stuff. That's a teacher. Even the way I approach this is one, two, three, four. It's like I can't help myself. It's just in there. See, every test I do comes up strongly, teacher, pastor. It's just like it's there. Loving people, want to gather them up and, and so on and, and teach. But God's trying to get me to shift to a different level. There's a growing into that level. All the real people call you something, but you've got to step and grow up into it yourself. So, so, so God's supposed people, God raise up prophets. We know what the prophets would be doing. They'd be all pointing out things. Oh, you know, after a while, people say, well, I can't handle that. There's too much. I need a bit more love. So, so, all, so uh, the, the prophet would be concerned about the encounters with God and the supernatural and getting people delivered and all that kind of thing. And I move in that. But you see, the apostles would say, no, 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 no. We need to grow the family up. We need to mature sons and daughters and prepare them for the assignments that God has for them. So apostles will send people on assignments. They release assignments to people. They impart to people. They raise people up. You can see why he needed to have apostles start the church. It started off on the church. See, there's no mention of any prophets in there. So where did the prophets come from? 
If the church is built on the foundation of apostles and prophets, where did he find the prophets? Oh, oh, oh. Because he called all his ones with him 12. They were all apostles. Where did he find the prophets? Well, simply the apostles raised them up. It's like they raised up the evangelists and everyone else. That's what their work is, to raise up and release all the other gifts. Eh? That's why they're so important. So they're set first because of their purpose. See? So notice there in Ephesians 4, go back to Ephesians 4.11 again. I'll show you something here, and then we'll just try to tidy this up now. Ephesians 4.11, he said, now, he's given uh, some, he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers. He gave them why? For the equipment. Now, here it is. This is why they've been given. Here's the purpose. All of them have some similarities. Yeah? Equip the saints. Notice they're given to equip. So, so if a pastor just runs around looking after everyone, that's not equipping, that's just pastoring. A pastor is supposed to equip people for pastoring. Raise up, identify pastoral gifts, raise them up. Uh, an evangelist is called to raise up evangelists. Okay? Teacher calls to raise up teachers. So what is the work for? It's for equipping the saints. Why? So they'll be involved in ministry. And what will that ministry be? Building up the church of Jesus Christ. So how long do these ministries needed? It says until. Until. So it tells us how long we need these ministries. Apostle, prophet, pastor, evangelist, teacher. Here how long we need them. Till we all come to the unity of faith. Now, looking around our city, have we all come to unity of faith? No. All right. And to the knowledge of the Son of God. Has everyone come to the knowledge of the Son of God? No. All right. Have we come to a perfect or mature people yet? No. Okay, that means the ministries are still needed. Uh, that we no longer children tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Well, no. That's obvious. There's lots of people get tossed around every week. They need ministry because they're, they're tossed around by winds and things. Well, I heard this, or I heard this, or something I got on the internet. Listen, this is all about bringing people to maturity. So those ministries are there until the church comes to maturity Jesus intended. Oh, any idea? So I can't finish then. So, so did the apostles cease after the 12? Because that's a question people raise. And you'll find certain points of view say, oh, no, there's only 12, that's it, there can't be any more. So uh, David referred to it before, and he said that some people are what you call uh, sens cessationalists. I'm not thinking sensationalists, cessationalists. But just break the word down, very simple. The supernatural stopped, and no apostles and prophets, they stopped too. That's basically what a cessationalist Will, will consider, and they'll use some scriptures to prove their point or whatever. So what they do is they take the position there is now no supernatural, no speaking in tongues, no gifts of the Spirit, and there's no apostles and there's no prophets. But we'll, we'll accept the apostles, evangelists, teachers. We just won't have the apostle prophet thing, and we've just, but uh, we won't have any of the gifts, won't have any of those things. In fact, when we first arrived here, there was a sign-up in a prominent camp here, no speaking in tongues allowed when you come to this place. So what doctrine, persuasion were they? They were cessationalists. It ceased. The problem is, what happens in your midst if someone starts to get baptized in the Spirit and speak in tongues? Well, what can you do? You need to go. Be gone. So what happens is, when someone gets filled with the Spirit speaking in tongues, they have to get rid of them because their doctrine position is, it ceased. So you either, what are you going to do if it ceased and someone gets filled with the Spirit speaking in tongues? We well, either say it's of the devil or... You, you, you have to get rid of them, or you change your doctrine. And many people don't change their doctrine easily. It's usually something behind it. <laughs> That's why it's not easy to shift. So they take that position. So what position we would take? Well, we would take these two positions as a church. Number one, the supernatural has continued in the church and is available today. And for a number of reasons, here's a few scriptures. John 14, 12, he that believes the works I do, he will do also. 
It didn't say whether you're an apostle or anything. It said if you believe, you'll do the same works of Jesus. 1 Corinthians 4.20, the kingdom of heaven is not in word, but in power. Matthew 16, verse 17, these signs follow them that believe. In my name, they cast out demons. See? Now, 1 Corinthians 13 is an issue um, that, that people cite. It, it tells us that prophecies and, and so on, uh, these are in part. Let's have a look in 1 Corinthians 13. It says in verse 9, <coughs> verse 8, love never fails. Whether there's prophecies, they'll cease. Whether there's tongues, they will cease. Whether there's knowledge, they'll vanish away. We know in part, we prophesy in part. When the perfect has come, that which is done in part has done away. Now, here's the question. What does when the perfect has come refer to? Well, it must refer to Jesus' second coming. See, because right now, there's still many people sick. There's many, many people sick. Why would Jesus heal sick people all through the Bible and then suddenly cease? There are many people troubled with demons. Many. They're everywhere. Everywhere, everywhere I go. People trouble with demons because they don't know what it is. If they're in the West, they don't know what it is that's troubling them. They get medication. If they're in the, in the other parts of spiritual culture, then they know it's a demon. They, know they need help. But in the West, there's an, there's an anti or secular worldview that stops people thinking and considering the supernatural so they don't consider that the problems may be demons. But I've had so many hundreds, hundreds thousands, thousands of people set free gloriously and they say, my life changed. The voices stopped, my life changed, I'm at peace, this left me, that left me, I'm healed, I'm whatever, because of the ministry of the Spirit. While there are people, see, the thing is, deliverance is only needed on earth. You don't need it in heaven. Gifts of the Spirit are needed on earth. They're not needed in heaven, but they are needed. They're needed. Why? For the building up of the church. So all of these, the, the position we take then are the gifts, the power of God, and also the fivefold ministry are still available today. Now, they're still available for us today. So what about apostles in the New Testament? Notice what they did in, in, in Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Notice what happens. They get, <laughs> Judas has died. So now... Uh, <clears throat> It said, uh, verse 19, verse 20. Uh, it's written in the book of Psalms, let his dwelling place be desolate and no one live in it. Let another take his office. So it's referring or quoting from the Old Testament. And what it's saying essentially is this. <clears throat> Judas has died, but his office is left vacant and we need to fill it. Now, if, if there's only the 12 that were with Jesus, they would never have had to fill it. But they said, no, no, we need to fill the office. So they chose Matthias, and Matthias was the one selected to fill the office. So then they were back to 12 again. But is that all they had in the New Testament? Were there only 12? The answer to that one is not at all. Not at all. You see, what that, principle, what that points out is every generation must see that the office that's not there or is empty is filled. The person may change, but the office remains the same. See, presidents may come and go, but the office still stays there. The office is an office God set in the church. It's a place or realm of spiritual authority that actually gets results. So that's why you need people to occupy the office. If they don't, then there's a lack and everyone is affected. The church lacks the supernatural. It begins to diminish. So when we look in the New Testament, we find not only did they replace that one, there were a heap of others as well. Let me give you the names of them, and uh, then we'll close up the session. See, in, in Acts uh, 1 and verse 13, it, li it lists them all. and tells them in verse 24 then, Matthias was added to them. But if you read in Acts chapter 14, Acts chapter 14, 
whoops, we find there's another two there. We'll read in Acts chapter 13, first of all. Uh, now, the church that was in Antioch, there's certain prophets and teachers. What's lacking? Apostles. Barnabas, Simeon, who's called the black fella, and uh, there's Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who'd been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul, and they ministered to the Lord and fasted, and the Lord said, the Holy Spirit said, separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work I have called them. They prayed and fasted and laid hands on them and sent them away. So they were sent by the Holy Spirit. Now you read, and you go down into Acts 14, verse 14, it tells very clearly what it said. It says uh, uh, somewhere down in Acts chapter 14. Uh, let's see if I can find it. Acts chapter 14, it's all Barnabas and Saul, and it tells us that they were apostles, apostles. So they were sent. Notice they were sent by who? Were they sent by the church? Well, not really, because the Bible says they were sent by the Holy Ghost. The church didn't have a meeting and plan. Hey, listen, why don't we get rid of these fellas? You know, why don't we send? We've got a good idea. No, no, no. The Bible said they were praying and fasting and the Spirit of God directed the work. What did the Spirit say? He said, I want you to set apart Barnabas and Saul for the work I called them. So he had called them before that time. Now they had done enough preparation. They're ready to be sent. Don't mistake calling and sending. Two different things. Calling God invites you and names and declares things over your life, says things about what he wants you to do, but you must be prepared for it, then he sends you. And when you're sent by the Holy Ghost, God is behind you in everything you do. He stands behind you. He says they were sent. How were they sent? Men recognized what God was doing, and men laid hands on them. Listen, no one can make an apostle. No one can make a prophet. No one can make an evangelist. You can't make those people only God can call them into. All we can do is recognize what God is doing and then facilitate it by training them, resourcing them, and then laying hands on them and releasing them to do the work. Get the idea? That's how it all happened. Now, just so, just as we close, there were a whole heap of people. Notice Barnabas. Barnabas started out as a giver. Then he became an encourager. That's why he changed his name from Jonas to Barnabas, the son of encouragement. And then now we hear him and he's an apostle. So you notice he progressed from being a giver to being an encourager, moving in the prophetic, to being an apostle. An apostle, we call him an apostle of encouragement. He had that particular strength around his ministry. But there are others there as well. There was, there was Apollos in 1 Corinthians 6, 4, verse 6 to 9. Uh, Timothy and Sylvanus in 1 Thessalonians 1 and 2. And uh, there were a couple of guys in 2 Corinthians 8, 23. They didn't name them, but they were apostles, messengers of Christ. Romans, get this, in Romans 16, 7, there was Adronius and Junia. And it looks almost certainly that they, it says they were of note among the apostles. So if you read that statement, then you think they're among the apostles. They're probably one of the apostles. But the one of them was a woman. Junia was most likely a woman. The name was uh, primarily a woman's name and possibly uh, a male name as well. It's almost certain she was a woman. So here you've got, right there in the middle of it all, and God has suddenly said, oh, I don't want to put a woman in the mix as well. Just to blow all the religious people away who think women can't do this or can't do that. So you find on the whole, God set men in his apostles, but God can break his own rules. There's no limit on what a woman can rise up to be. If God calls them to, then they call to it. And if the, if the king calls, then the king is going to empower them. So who are we to resist and say, you can't do that because you're a woman. You understand that? Jesus came to empower people. He came to activate and release people. So we find all of these people. Notice now there's at least 25 people are named as apostles. That tells us then 
that the church in the New Testament abounded with apostles. Not only that, he says to the church in Ephesus, you guys tested out and found the false apostles. So there was obviously so many of them, some were pretending to be apostles that weren't, and they had to test out whether they were genuine or not. The church today has struggled because it lacks apostolic authority and power and movement to advance the kingdom. So God is raising up and restoring the apostolic to the church. In the 40s and 50s, there was a great move to reestablish evangelists in the 60s, a great move to reestablish pastors in, a, in the 70s, a great move to reestablish uh, the uh, teachers. In the, in the 80s, if you were here and a Christian in the 80s, there were, there were a, a prophet uh, conferences everywhere. God was raising up the prophets. And then in the 90s, God started to ring a voice again. It's time to restore apostolic ministries who will empower and equip all the other ministries and the church will come. Now, get this. The focus is not on the apostle. It's on the work. The moment you put the focus on a person, you're in trouble. You see, if I had, if I had electric drill, the question is not how good is that drill. But the question is, does it do the job? So if it's a drill that doesn't work, then it's useless. The focus is on it's a tool to get a job done. And it's a really great tool to have if you've got to drill a lot of holes. It's really hard to do it without it. Bob was doing my fence there, and my, what a job he's done. Just such a, just really appreciate the value of your labor and sacrifice, not only there, but with the folks over the weekend too, with Robin and so on. But you know, you've got to drill. Man, you can go through those screws quickly if you've got to drill. If you had to do it all by hand, it'd be a hard job. So, so, so it's not the officers themselves. They are put there by God for the job of equipping and releasing you. So it's right to honor ministries God's put and to pray for them and support and so on. But the key thing, the biggest thing, is that we understand why God gave them was to empower us to advance the kingdom. So the church becomes apostolic. Think about Bay City. Those of you have been here a few years, we have got things we have done in Ukraine, in Israel, Cambodia, Philippines, Singapore, Malaysia, uh, Indonesia, uh, if, uh, up into America, into Australia, into, the, into Tonga, into Cook Islands. The, the, foot, the, work, the, the work has just expanded and done all those things. I believe we're in a new season where God's going to do it again. It'll be done differently but it's going to be you arising and responding to the call of God. Amen. I feel his presence here so very strong. Why don't you just close your eyes for a moment now? I just want to finish with just this. I wonder if you're here today and you've never made a decision to respond to Jesus Christ. God is calling you. He is inviting you to recognize the lack in your life. A life living separate from God is a difficult life painful life. We suffer with insecurities and fears. We're very self-directed most of the time. Jesus came and died on the cross so we could be free of that. But it requires a response. When Jesus died on the cross, he made it possible for every one of us to have a relationship with God. He acted as our representative, taking the pain and penalty of sin. It requires a response. You're here today. 
what's stopping you responding to God's call on your life. His invitation, come. Come and enter relationship. Come respond to me. Come open your life to me. Come acknowledge you're living a life without me and make room for me to lead you and guide you in your life. To as many as received him, you gave power to become a child of God. Is there anyone here today, right at that place, needing to receive Christ, become a Christian, give your life to Jesus, respond to his call to follow him? If that's you today, would you raise your hand and say, that's me. I feel God talking to me. I want to make a response. Would you do that right now? Just do it right now. Any person here, just raise your hand. Needing to become a Christian. It's your, your point right now. You say, Lord, I want to respond to you. If that's you, raise your hand. Raise your hand. God is calling to you. You may have gone to church, but never made a personal commitment, never made a decision to make Christ your Savior, to actually commit yourself to Him. Would you raise your hand and say, that's me. I believe God's speaking to me. Second thing I want to invite is this. If you felt God calling you to serve Him, to respond to Him, you know you've been resisting that call. You've got full of other things. You've become distracted. You've become diverted. And many in the Bible that happened to them. But it doesn't need to happen to you. God is calling you again. I haven't changed my mind. I haven't changed my desire. I haven't changed my purpose. Will you respond? Is there something you need to repent of? Something you need to let go of? Something you need to make a decision inside? Jesus, I'm responding to your call today. If that's you today, just stand together right now. Make your way to the front. I want to lay hands on you today and believe for God's blessing to flow on you. To touch your life as you make that decision to recommit to his call. Let's just stand together. Stand together right now. Stand together. Let's stand together. I can feel his presence here calling to people right now. Why don't you come and just either stand or lift your hands or kneel and say, God, I surrender to your call on my life. I've just got so busy. I've got so many other things I've been doing. I have put you on the back burner. You're no longer a priority. Lord, I come in repentance today. I want to respond today. Come, come, come. Come today. Come. That's you. Come. Come. Renew that commitment to the call of God on your life. Renew your commitment to grow and to learn. Renew your commitment to pray. Renew your commitment to be taught again of the Lord. Come, come. There's others needing to come and respond. Do it right now. Do it right now. Just come, 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 come. Father, I thank you for each one coming right now. Others too. I still sense others as well. God is calling to you. God is calling to you. Perhaps you once walked in the things of the Spirit. When you look, you realize, I'm some, I don't know what happened. I don't know where I've lost it, but somehow I'm not flowing like I should do. Something is missing. Would you just come? Say, God, that's me. That's just me. Come, come. Come right now. 